I want to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, the traditional custodians of this land on which I work and live on. I pay respect to elders past, present, and future. Hello, welcome to the Coffee Chat Podcast. On today's episode, I chatted to Amelia Ryan, who I found Amelia through Instagram and instantly fell in love with her inspiring posts and hilarious stories, most of which came from her cabaret shows. We chatted about her journey studying at VCA, finding the world of cabaret, her coaching business, and some fun rapid fire questions. So grab a coffee and enjoy. Hello, welcome to the Coffee Chat Podcast. Thank you for coming on and chatting with Thank me. Thank you. You're Thank you for inviting me. What a delight. Oh, anytime. I feel I like, I think I've avidly stalked your social media and I was like. <laughs> <laughs> it's what we do these days, right? I mean, is, is it even stalking anymore or is it just, This is you know? true, you make a good point. You make yeah, a good point. it's pretty consensual. It, hey, <laughs> that that is so true. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, unless you've got, you know, unless you've got those settings switched to private and you somehow manage to like infiltrate anyway, then it's not stalking. It's just, you know, happy bystanders of people's lives. I love that so much. I never thought of it that way. And now you've, that's a really cool perspective because it is true. Yeah. What have you put out there? Like if anyone sees it, like I've put it out there for people to see. That's exactly right. That's exactly that's right. Deep, so good. Yeah. Great start. So um consensual stalking exactly I'm gonna get you to introduce yourself to the listeners um who is Amelia and how do you want to present yourself to the world yeah sure so I'm Amelia Ryan I am a performer a writer a creative a coach and mentor a speaker a mama a friend a wife a daughter and I you know, my overarching mission is I'm really, I'm really curious about how we can all maximize our one chance at a lifetime, mm. like, you know, yeah. and so most of the work that I do in the world is about just leaving it a little brighter and lighter. I love that. I love that yeah. the list kept going. I think that's <laughs> so, cause we are so many things, especially. Yeah. And we just totally. Forget. Absolutely. And I think gone are the days where we pigeon ourselves into one thing. You know, I realized probably when I was at drama school that I was very multi-passionate and that I wasn't going to be not only overly satisfied, but I wasn't going to do a good job if I was just sort of put into the yeah. one box. It's not me. It's not how I work. So I'm pretty loud and proud about doing a multitude of things, but they're all under the banner of you know, it's, it's under the banner of creativity. It's under the banner yeah. of inspiration. It's under the banner of motivation. And I think as long as I'm energetically aligned to, to whatever it is that I'm doing, then it's, it's all good. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk. So you went to drama school. Um, yeah. What was your journey at drama school? Did you always want to go to drama school or did it just kind of happen for you? What was that experience? Yeah. So I was, you know, it's a pretty cliche story. I was one of those kids who started singing and dancing around the house at a young age, you know, I'd say like most musical theatre performers, like we've all got that story. Well, most of us do. And, um, and so, you know, I loved doing musicals all throughout primary school and high school, loved, you know, scoring the lead roles in shows, et cetera, et cetera, big fish, small pond kind of situation. And so I just kind of assumed that I'd waltz into Whopper. Like I sort of had this, I, I was like, oh, they'll probably just like headhunt me. They'll just track me down. I'll just be offered a place. And so I went and did this audition. I'd never really danced. Like I'd gotten away with not having to dance much in musicals. I can't dance to save save my life. Like I couldn't, I couldn't even, I couldn't even visually compute the dance audition, let alone physically do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I didn't even get a call back. And I was like, wow, this is. I, oh, yeah. so I'm a really small fish in a big pond. Okay. <laughs> so it was a bit of it. And I was maybe 18, 19, I guess, out of high school. And so I did a little bit of time at the Institute of Music in Sydney. This yeah. was like back in 2002, I guess, a while ago. At, oh, my God, nearly 20 years ago. And um, there's <laughs> a wake-up call. Yeah. Um And then I just, I worked in a couple of pubs and, you know, made some really questionable life choices that 
eventually served me along the way because I made comedy content out of them. But um, eventually, I guess it was in 2003 or four, maybe, maybe even 2005 that I auditioned for the VCA in Melbourne, Victorian College of the Arts. Yeah. Yeah, And I studied musical theatre down there. Um, And I loved it. It was wonderful. I loved living in Melbourne. I loved having a change of scenery. I loved having the focus, but I also realized pretty quickly on and in light of what we were speaking to just before, I realized that it was a really expensive way for me to understand that I wasn't going to be a musical theater performer. I was like, oh, wow. I don't think that this delivery of the same thing night after night exactly the same way it's not for me it's yeah and look the the reality is I just never got any better at dancing so you know (laughs) there's that (laughs) that's so interesting because I I really resonate with that story I was someone who I thought I was going to do the musical theater thing like I was like Mm -hmm. yeah the eight shows a week and I was auditioning a bit and I had friends who did it and I just had a moment where I was like oh that's not for me like I I had one moment where I went if I book this show I don't think I really want to do it like H totally I'm I'm not up for that I can't like that's exhausting and I respect those who can yeah I completely agree like it's it requires a certain discipline I think Um, and probably you know if you're someone who really values creative expression or Mm. um, individualism or, you know, stuff that's more about your stories or your ideas of things. Musical theatre is limited in the way that you can express Mm. that. And you're a bit more, I find, a cog in a wheel. And that's not to disrespect the craft because there's a a craft to musical theatre that is so above and beyond my level of expertise. But it's just, it's different right like it's it's really different and yeah it's um I think you know if you're anything like me you wanted to tell stories on stage and you wanted to connect with an audience and you probably wanted to sing and really express that part of yourself but it's about finding the right forum for that and yeah I discovered it through musical theatre school that that for me was cabaret yeah. So, yeah, I want to. Okay, before we get to cabaret, I'm so excited mm. to have this chat about cabaret. Mm. Um, I do want to ask your as how did you and how did you get through three years of not being a dancer at drama with, school a, with a lot of pain, a lot of um internal agony, yeah. with a lot of just like dreading dance classes. I mean, I really practiced. I really, you know, I hired a one-on-one coach and yeah. I'm, I think he found me pain. Like it was, but you know, God gives us all certain strengths, certain attributes and a certain body with which to do things. Yeah. And mine would just not cooperate. Like yeah. it just, you know, and whether it's a mind over matter thing, I'm not sure because, you know, I think, I'm pretty long and lean. Like if you, I look like a dancer, I look like I should yeah. know what I'm doing, but it was just a total comedy of errors. Like I would just grongette across the dance floor and, and hope for the best. Like just, it was like a flailing praying mantis, just, just like flying through space, just like grasping oh at the air. Like it was like, so, so, so bad. And you know, the, the, the thing that my dance teachers bless them, like they would just every time just look at me and go, nearly, nearly, Amelia, nearly. Like it was just like. You're so close. So close. Yeah. So close. You'll probably never get there, but so close. (laughs) But you're trying and that's what matters right now. Yeah, 10 points to you in this really cutthroat industry. Keep trying, you know. Keep going. Keep dancing, you know. Yeah. Totally, totally. And oh. yeah, and but I think it's like, I think such an important part of being a performer is having the self-awareness to know where you fit. Yeah. You know, yeah. to know what roles you're suited for, to know where your voice is at, to know. And so, I, yeah, it was just, it was quite liberating when I was like, okay, cool. I've really tried. I've given this a red hot go. My body and my mind won't unify to make this happen. Yeah. So what can I do? <laughs> what else? And cabaret. Yeah. 
yeah where okay how how did you discover cabaret how did this journey start so I think you know I think the first time I ever really sort of discovered I the the first time I ever thought oh there's something in this was seeing Sheridan Harbridge perform in the cabaret she's amazing she's sublime um yeah and so it was in the cabaret international cabaret contest which used to be a just really wonderful things back when I was um maybe like 10 years ago I guess a bit, bit more and I sat in the audience and I was like oh I reckon you know there's not much at that stage that I would look at and go you know I didn't look at Lucy Durack and Wicked and go I could be her I didn't look at Caroline O'Connor but when I saw Sheridan I was like I reckon I could do that I reckon that there's something about this art form that really speaks to me and so I saw Sheridan, then I saw Natalie Gamzu do a one-woman show um, at, oh, no, what was it called? It's in, it was in King's Cross. Um, I've done shows there. I can't think what, it, what it's called. Um, it's, up, it's up as you're heading towards the cross. Oh, I don't know if it exists yes. anymore. Um, it's just Is off. It- I should Is know. It- I've- I-, I should as well. Um, yeah. Is it in, is it like upstairs? Is it in a, is it in like a, like a pub area or is it it's not gingers it's not gingers on oxford street which is upstairs on a pub on yeah, oxford street it's okay. up towards the cross i'll think i'll track it down because yeah, we'll i've done shows it <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah and so i i saw another games we performed there and then at vca in our second excuse me in our second year we had to create our own 15 minute cabaret show yeah. and we were working with a guest mentor and she said look just come to the first session with a few you know quirky facts about yourself or mm-hmm. stories you want to share maybe you've got a, a role model in the form of you know like Judy Garland or you know whatever someone who you can yeah. base your show on and I sat down and I was like well I guess my life has been a bit colorful like my dad came out when I was 10 and yeah. my mum had a fling with our 23 year old handyman and my dad's wife is transgender and I used to be a stripper um and I have, I've currently got $16,000 worth of parking fines. And, and I just sort of listed off all these things. And she was like, that, that is cabaret gold. Yes. And yeah. And so I sort of had like a bit of a reference bank to draw upon. And I, I just started crafting it and I just loved it. Like I loved yes. the, the free balling that you can do on stage and the parodies like I, I've sort of really gravitated towards parody writing and um yes. yeah so it's just like a really happy union of skills and storytelling and yeah oh I love that I I do I I as someone who has just discovered the beautiful medium of cabaret this yeah. year during the pandemic um I love yeah it's such a free medium like you can do what you want and there's so like so much creativity I'm like yes it's so exciting so exciting and I think once you open that sort of chasm in your brain and yeah I think the the point where a lot of the place where a lot of cabaret artists start is their own story Mm. and their own journey because as they always say write what you know and then I found with each show you sort of you kind of grow weary of yourself. You grow weary of your own stories. You run out of stories to tell. And then your mind just opens up to all of the other stories in this lifetime and other artists and other historical stories and things. And it's like, you just have this radar of like, what, what stories can I bring to the stage? What stories can I share with an audience? And it's a really, it's a really cool thing. I love that. I actually, I had someone say to me, um, when I was like, oh, I'm going to write a cabaret show. And then they were like, oh, just like letting you know, it won't be the only one you'll ever write. <laughs> so apparently yeah. it's like, it's a bug. You just keep, you keep doing them. Totally. You testify to that. <laughs> oh, it's a dirty, addictive bug that there is no antibiotic for. Like, and <laughs> nor do you want one, you know? <laughs> yeah, you it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really beautiful thing. And yeah, I think. It, the, the possibilities do feel quite endless, which is lovely. Yeah. Um, there is, I believe it's a story that I read on your Instagram um, and it was about, was it a cabaret competition in yeah. New York? Would you please tell that story? Because I think it's phenomenal and I want to hear it 
in person. <laughs> Absolutely. So this is a competition that I was talking about. So I'd seen oh. Sheridan perform there a couple of years earlier. And then I did the, the cabaret contest. Sorry, I did the created the cabaret at VCA. I was like, this is where I feel really at home. Yeah. I loved, you know, as I said, I, I loved the ability to be in the moment. So, you know, the audience might yell or someone might have a funny laugh and you can kind of single them out and go, your yeah. laugh is literally making my night. Like, you know, so you can have some interaction that you don't often get in other theatre forums. Yeah. So I knew that I loved cabaret. It took me about two years before I really plucked up the courage and backed myself enough to write my own full-length show I knew that that's what I wanted to do but it just I was really you know it it was really stepping out and into beyond my comfort zone at the time but I did it I um I booked a little theater called the Butterfly Club in Melbourne which you've probably heard of it's um a bit of a sanctuary for cabaret artists and and I started t- selling tickets to a show called A Storm in a Decap, and I hadn't written the yeah. show, so I had about six weeks to put it together, which is how I like to work. Nothing. Oh my god, I love puts, that. <laughs> nothing puts smoke up your ass like a deadline, like a yeah, non-negotiable definitely. deadline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'd been doing A Storm in a Decap for a couple of years, and people seemed to like it. I'd done it in Melbourne, Wollongong, Sydney, back to Melbourne. Like I'd done a little bit of of touring, just my own self-produced touring. And I knew, you know, I was like, yeah, I think this is kind of for me. It was having a really good snowball, which which I find affirming. And then the cabaret competition was still going. And then I was on their mailing list and the email for that year said, this year we're expanding the prize. The winner of the contest will get a fully produced tour of their cabaret show to all of the major Australian cabaret festivals. So Adelaide, Melbourne, Noosa Long Weekend Festival. Um, what else was in there? There might have been a couple of other engagements yeah. and a place in the New York Music Theatre Festival. I lost my shit. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I was obsessed. I was like a woman on a, like on a rampage to win this thing. So I'd been going to New York kind of every six months. Yeah. I just had this love affair with New York. I'd recently, I, I'd not long been out of a relationship who I thought was the one. So he dumped me. The next day I booked, booked a ticket to New York. I was like, I'm moving to New York. I'm going to yeah. live here. I'm going to be, a, you know, basically the next bet Midler. Like I'll be discovered in the gay arts. Like what, you know, it's all on. Yes. So when, when I, when I got this, comp- when I saw this competition, I was like, well, this is my ticket. Like this is, this is how I'll get there. I was, I was obsessed. So, you know, like I made this vision board with all these pictures of New York and like words like winner and my yes. show and just, you know, really like I'd write these journal entries, like, I am currently, I'm in New York City. I have just won, you know, like journaling is all that happened, like putting crystals in my pockets, um, whatever, whatever new age spiritual things I could do to win it. Like I, I all but dressed as a Statue of Liberty and walked around the streets. You know what I mean? I was obsessed. So, and I'd already been doing my show for a year or two. So I was pretty, pretty cocky. Yeah. I was pretty confident. <laughs> so I did the heat and I have this song that I sing about my family, which is quite funny. It's a parody of What's Up by the Four Non Blondes. It's, you know, it was a pretty winning kind of song. I knew it wouldn't have done well. And I had this other song called The Mess, which was um, all about being a hot mess, clusterfuck, et cetera, et cetera. Pretty brash, a bit show tuny. And I was like, oh, I'll just knock those out in the park. Like mm-hmm. I said to my mum and dad, don't even worry about coming to the heat. Just go just buy tickets for the grand final because I'll pretty much, like, I know I'll be in there. So cocky AF, right? And so I got up, did my songs, sat. They called out three or four winners to go through to the grand final and I wasn't one of them. And I was gutted. I was like, oh, my God, this is, a, like, this is, this is the sign. This is the sign to say stop. Yeah you can't do this. You don't deserve this. You're like, you know, fraud, etc. You've been, you know, like all those things that go through our mind when we get rejected. Yes. And oh, yes. um, so I did what any self-respecting person would do and got totally shit-faced with my best friends, was literally crying in the gutter, like couldn't have been more classy Relatable. if I tried. Yeah. Totally, totally. Relatable. I was like, 
I'm just going to go back to uni. I'll do something sensible. I'll become a doctor. Like I can't do this anymore. And then my phone rang and it was the final night of heats. So it was the, um, all the heats had been done all across the country, mind you. And then the producer of the competition called and he said, doll, the judges like you. They know that you've got a great kind of history and, and capacity for cabaret, but they just, they didn't think that your content was right tonight. They didn't really like what you did. Yeah, We've got two wild card spots. We'd love to give you one, but we need you to reassess your material. Like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. We can't do that. That's not ethical or fair, but just you just bring something new to the table and we'll see how you yeah. go. So by this stage, I was like slurring and crying and just really showcasing myself in a great classy light. And, um, and then so I went through to the grand final and um, as I mentioned, I'd not long before been dumped by a man who I was with for a few years who I thought I was going to marry. So I sung a song about the breakup. Um, so I did the funny song about my family and then just dived into kind of a bit of, you know, vulnerability, I guess, and pathos, yeah. which I'm, all four in a in a cabaret show you know in a cabaret show I want to laugh I want to think and I want to feel like I want to be punched yeah. in the guts with humanity and so you know so I, I applied that to my own work and um and I ended up coming runner-up in the competition which was amazing so they um they gave me runner-up place and including the the tour around Australia right so oh yes but so I'm sort of thinking but hang on remember on my vision board I put New York like vision board like universe like hello. I'm so grateful to run her up but hello my my vision board was New York and my journal says New York and the crystals in my pocket were all about me getting to New York so <laughs> so but I was still really stoked like I was still super stoked and then I don't know, but I don't know if it was days or weeks later, I can't quite remember, but I got an email from the general manager of the New York Musical Theatre Festival who'd been there, who was also one of the producers of the competition. And he said, look, we love your stuff. We want to offer yeah. you a spot in the festival in New York. So I, I, I sort of got there <laughs> in this really bizarre twist of fate. Yes. That, yeah. And, and that's, and I was like, I, I don't, all of you naysayers, vision boards freaking work. That's the moral of the story. <laughs> vision boards freaking work, right? That's if you're going to take anything out of this, it's about have a good vision, vision board. Boards. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's, it. About that's all you need. It's not, about, it's not about tenacity. It's not about craft. It's nope. about the freaking vision board. <laughs> vision board, have it. Get yeah. it out there. Get it out. Get it out there. Get those pictures up. Um, yeah. So it was, you know, a real kind of lesson I think in so many yeah. things but I think about trusting trusting your capability about knowing what you want about vulnerability in performance yeah. and that being brash and funny isn't always going to warm the audience to you as an artist in a way that just yeah. being incredibly authentic and you know, and, and the song that I sang wasn't about, oh, well, was me. I've, I've had this bad breakup. Oh, poor, my, poor me. It was about life is inherently full of loss. It Life is yeah. just as much about the humour as it is about the heartache and how can we kind of navigate both with with grace and with acceptance. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, it was um, a really, really, it, I will I will absolutely hand on my heart say that that placing in that competition and having that opportunity was the the catalyst for me yeah. for my for my career without a oh, doubt I love that story so much it is like yeah. this like you said there's so many things I think you can take from that and it's like really inspiring I remember reading it on your Instagram and I was just like anything is possible gets the vision board out <laughs> like so, totally Yep. gets a crystal puts it in gets pocket a crystal. I mean yeah. I have crystals and I am the same I'm like they work I have them next to my bed and I'm like yes pray to my crystals let's go absolutely look whatever I don't care if it's not backed by science it's like maybe it is I don't know but it's about well what what's going to help you get through the day 
in a way that feels really meaningful and masterful you know so do what works do what you gotta do and keep going I love the tenacity in that it's like you just kept going you you believed almost blindly at times like and I remember I had really bad nodules at the time like I wasn't even singing all that well I sounded like my voice was being dragged through a cheese grater it was really in fact there's um I'm sure there's I think there's a recording floating around of me on the night and and my voice is is shocking it's so so bad I'd had nodules for about a good 10 years and actually about three months later I had to make a decision just before three months before going to New York about whether I'd have the the operation to do the scrape whatever whatever it is I do I've blocked it out of my memory (laughs) and I was like because you know that operation obviously comes with the risk of them ruin like they one little slip and your voice is gone and I thought I'd rather take that risk than continue with this hideous hideous voice because it just wasn't it was not working so yeah yeah Yeah. but I guess it just kind of shows that sometimes particularly in cabaret yes you want to be a great singer you want to work on your craft you want the audience to enjoy Mm. listening to you but it's also just as much about the story and how you connect and how you engage. And I've seen some amazing cabaret shows and amazing artists who I'm not there to hear them sing. Yeah. I'm there to see them connect and watch them capture our shared humanity in a really interesting and authentic way. Mm. Oh, I love that so much. Um, As like, and I'm sure there are other people out there who can relate to this, but I again with my musical theater journey like for me I wasn't the greatest singer like I can sing like I'm not like it but I'm not like you know that's why I didn't do musical theater I'm no alphabet I'm not going to be belting like divine gravity eight shows a week um and I think that's why I was like oh but then I can't do cabaret because I think for me the cabarets I'd seen were musical theater performers belting to high heavens and I was like but I have a story and I do like comedy and I think yeah that's just so nice to hear that that it is about mm. the story and for me coming back to that I was like yeah okay I don't think people are coming and they're like oh she didn't she didn't hit that note uh she's not belting what's going on <laughs> oh absolutely and you know look I think we've all got our taste I think there's some people who will absolutely go mm. want to go and see just a sublime singer me I want I want to be provoked I want to be engaged I want to be enraged I want to feel I want to think differently I want my perspective shifted um I want to be intrigued you know they're they're all the reasons why I go to cabaret and usually when I'm working with a client on creating a show it can be weeks or 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 a couple of months before I even hear them sing because I'm like (laughs) I want to know who you are I want to know what you have to say I want to know about this story and then I want to know more about it. And so these are the details that I want to try and get out of it. And, you know, it's like clients will say, I don't know if I can sing this. I'm like, well, then we'll just tweak it so that, so that you can, you're the boss. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, you can't hit that top E. Let's just make it, let's just bring it down a a peg. Let's just not sing that bit. Let's just put a story in there instead. Yeah. You're the boss. That's the best thing about cabaret. I love that. And it was so, and it took me a little bit to get there, to like realize that. And then once you do, I was like, oh yes, of course you can change the key of a song. Like, (laughs) you're the boss. Yeah. I can, yeah, I'm not gonna be able to sing in that key, but I'll change it, make it lower. Chef's kiss. Totally. Right. Or like, "Eh, I feel icky singing the bridge. So I'm not going to sing it. And I'm just going to put a little bit of patter in there. Cabaret one, two, three, boom. Done. And that's how you yeah. create a show, guys. That's how you create a show. It's so easy. It's that easy. It's like so just easy. roll out of bed and do it tomorrow. Come on, <laughs> let's go. Yeah. Yeah. And a five, six, seven, eight. And then let's go. Um, yeah. what, what are your, I guess for any, for people listening who are itching to create a show, but don't know where mm-hmm. to start, mm-hmm. what, what would be your advice in that? it's a very open question yeah no but it's a good one and I think what makes a good cabaret show is where there's this sweet spot of the stories that you want to tell the stories that are in your heart the stories Mm -hmm. that you feel passionately about so where that 
combines with the stories that people want to hear. Like that's an important factor. At the end of the day, it's for an audience. It's not about you. It's not about the performer, I think, even though it feels like it and it can really feel like it. But And then the stories that need to be told. So imagine you've got like a little pie chart because who doesn't love a pie chart? So in one quadrant, there's the stories that you really want to tell. And they they are so important. Like, you know, it's almost like the, that's the backbone, but Mm. equally it's got to be about what, but what do the audience want to hear? What's going to delight them? What's going to entertain Mm. them? What's going to make them laugh? What's going to make them feel? Because if you just want to get up and, you know, bang on about your sappy, sorry life, like there might be some merit in that, yeah. But at the end of the day, the audience have paid for an experience. And so we want to, we want to delight them. We want to create joy. Marie Kondo 101. Like we want to, we want to leave them feeling something. And then what stories, what sto- what stories need to be told because it's going to help further humanity in some way? How can we make this a socially conscious mm-hmm. thing or a yeah important because it's bringing something to the table yes so if you're kind of ticking all those boxes and you know you got a show you got yeah you got a show yeah Yeah. let's go let's go but I mean that you know that's probably kind of heavy heavy hitting in some ways like I think if Mm. if there's someone who has never created the show and they want to know where to start the first thing I would say is see other shows get out and see stuff See what inspires you. See what tickles your fancy. Like see who you resonate with. You know, for me, I knew that I loved the work of people like Sheridan who were really funny and they had a self-deprecation to them. And that's what I loved. I don't want to really, I'm not as interested in someone who gets up and sings really shiny songs beautifully. Like, sure, great. I I really appreciate that talent, but it doesn't doesn't light my fire. Um, So see stuff. If it's something you really want to do, then uh, my advice would be to take daily action to make it happen. So whether that's sending a venue like the Butterfly Club an email and saying, look, you know, I want to create a show. What space have you got in your booking calendar? Yeah. Get the ball rolling to make it happen. Engage someone who you know has done it before. Say, can I buy you a coffee? Can I pick your brain? You know, there's a lot of performers who will generously give their time yeah. over a coffee to help. You know, if you want to take it the next step further, engage a mentor. There's some, there's some great mentors around, yeah. you know, Queenie van der Zandt does mentoring. I do mentoring. There's, there's other people around. So yeah, it's, it really is possible. And you don't need a lot of money to get started. I, I can't even remember yeah. my expenses in the first instance, but you know, when you when you go to a venue that has a shared risk and they pay you 60% and they take 40%, you know, and you're paying a yeah. pianist and a bit for graphic design, you know, maybe save up, plan to invest a couple of, you know, $2,000 or something in it and you might make a bit, bit of that back. Yeah, I mean, great. <laughs> great. I remember, I remember my first cabaret show, I profited like $530 and I couldn't believe it. I was like, you mean I've made money to do something yeah. that I loved this much? Yes. What? How? You know, and how? And then when I started actually making money, like I was like, oh my God. And suddenly you you're a business and you're like, I'm this is a business and this is I'm creating products and you know, and that's a whole other mindset upgrade yeah. and, and skill set upgrade in itself. Yeah. But what would yeah. be in terms of thinking back to like the first time you started self-producing and starting in cabaret, mm. what's one thing that you were like you wish you knew? that you didn't know then? Um, that's a really good question. Um, look, I guess I, I kind of call myself an accidental producer, which I think a lot <laughs> of creatives are. Um, I don't ever really feel like it stressed me out, but I don't even think I really knew that I was doing it. Like it's not even that I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even know that I was doing the thing. It was like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I remember having like having a photo shoot for something not really for my for my cabaret show and the butterfly club said oh we need a a photo and I was like oh um I suppose I just did this photo shoot for something else oh I'll use one of those and happily it was a really good fit and then oh can you bring in some posters and then I was like oh posters and then I sort of reached out to a friend who was a graphic designer I was like oh I need to so it was sort of there was no plan there was never a plan and 
I've been self-producing now for 10 years and it's only really in the last year or so that I started using proper budgets. I used to just like write my expenses down in a list in my phone and maybe be able to retrieve them. Um, So, you know, I guess I wish I'd developed that business skill set sooner because when you do, you feel like a bit of a boss. Like, you know, it's quite empowering. And when you see that you're you know, you're, you're in control of monetary decisions and marketing decisions and how it can all kind of align and fit into this puzzle. And then, you know, when you finish a season and there's a, a profit and then you're like, okay, great. Well, I'm going to allocate 50% of that to me as an artist wage. And then I'm going to allocate the other 50% back into the show and reinvest it. Yeah. And that's business, isn't it? You know, and then the next step and, and what I've sort of started doing in, in recent times, even with COVID, which feels strange, but paying myself a wage out of that show budget. So rather than me just schlepping up and going, oh, will I, you know, make 50 bucks out of this? It's like, no, I'm going to pay myself a nightly show fee. And then so whatever's left is profit. It's it's profit after paying, paying myself. And yes. when you can do that as a performer, it's really empowering. And so, yeah, I guess in answer to your question, that's what I wish I'd started doing sooner is really treating myself like, like a businesswoman. Yes. That yeah. is so empowering. Yeah. It like, is empowering. Totally. And it's not something that we're taught as creatives. We're taught about mm. feelings and inspirations and art and magic and audiences and connection. And I mean, they're things that are quite inherent to us as performers yeah. or otherwise we wouldn't perform, would we? No. But <laughs> We're less about strategy and systems and marketing and, you know, we're, we're not, we don't really, often we just don't have, we either don't have the inherent skill set or we're, we're not taught it or, and it's not really mm-hmm. even widely celebrated, is it? Like it's no, not really it's not. cultivated. Um, no. We tend not to talk about money. We tend we're all about words and wisdom and not a lot about structure and spreadsheets and money. And so it's kind of something that I'm quite passionate about equipping my clients with is, you know, you're, you're a business step into that mindset into that, you know, we're the CEO of our creative business. How can you think in that way and make decisions in that way and make strategy based choices that are going to keep, you and your business thriving yeah I 100% and... agree I think there is a bit I mean like I always like obviously craft and business are two mm. separate things that are working but um yeah you're never taught about like the business stuff especially when you're going into producing your own work yeah. no one talks about that I had to like figure out a budget like last month and I was like excuse me <laughs> what yeah. do you mean no and then and like the worth of money like being like oh yes, I'm going to allocate, like I'm the writer on this project, so I'm going to pay me. And I was like, is that enough? I don't know. Should I be? Totally. Totally. Yeah. 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 I was working with a client this morning who's taking to a show, taking a play to New York. And, you know, we were just looking at, okay, well, what would the director's fee be? What would the producer's fee be? What would the profit split be? And they're big conversations. And in any other business, it's a no-brainer it's like but in the arts it's like well you know budget is always a question doing things for exposure is always a consideration all those things and how I think it's a it's a responsibility to rewrite the narrative um you know I think that's what a lot of artists have really felt in the last 18 months it's like we we're really starting to know our value and to know our worth and to know our social contribution And to know that mm, actually we're not a charity and how can we step into the power of that? Yes. Oh, mm. and like you said before, it's so empowering like to, to do that. I think yeah. also as creatives, it's like, heck yes, you can. You can do that. Totally. <sighs> totally. I can be creative and wear a business jacket. Like, boom. <laughs> Done. Here yeah. we go. Let's do it. Totally. Shoulder power pads. Yes. I love that. Um, I guess let's segue into, because you do have your own coaching um, business. Yeah. Is it called Am- Amplify? Um, yeah. So Amplify right. is, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a brand that I launched a few months ago. Um, 
so really it's, I mean, I've been working with cabaret clients for a, quite a few years now, running group workshops and doing one-on-one. But then in more recent times, I started kind of getting inquiries from, you know, coaches who wanted to speak and integrate more storytelling into their work. Mm. Or, you know, I've recently just this week started working with a scientist who is delivering Mm. a a 60-minute speech and he wants to, again, integrate storytelling and audience engagement and things. And and then other creatives who want to amplify um, their business strategies and skills. And, And so I was like, oh, maybe there's more to what I do than, than just the cabaret realm, um, which is lovely and exciting. And so I thought I'm, I'm really going to step into this and, and open up the, the scope and the doors for other people. And it's a bit like what I was saying before, you know, in terms of where all these things, we can be so multi-passionate, but it all falls under the banner of the one thing. And for me, that banner is messages and missions that really move people and that move the world and and yeah. stories that that need to be heard and need to be amplified so whatever your platform is whether it's as a speaker as a cabaret artist as a coach as a writer yeah. how can i help you amplify your message and amplify your mission in a really meaningful and and masterful way yeah i i love this i support this i think <laughs> it's so important and I love that you're also like empowering other creatives um especially in a time like this which has been brutal um yeah and it's yeah it's such like I think yeah I just love it I love what you're doing I'm obsessed (laughs) oh thanks Sarah yeah look it's really it's wonderful work it's beautiful work it's really I just I love it and you know I think when when you're kind of going along doing your own thing and you're constantly whenever we're constantly sort of challenging and growing ourselves we forget how far we've come so you you kind of underestimate what you can teach other people and how you can empower other people because you're constantly looking at where you've still got to go rather than looking back and and it's in that looking back that I've been able to go I guess I do know a bit and I do know there's plenty that I can teach. And, and I really witness that when I'm working with people because they they might be where I was, you know, two years, three years, one year ago, but however I can empower people is so rewarding and so joy giving. Um, Yeah. And it's, it's a real honor and it's a real privilege to, to facilitate people's growth and and creative realizations or business realizations um because I know how yeah like and and you know it kind of goes back to what we were saying before about those years of wanting to express myself and and knowing that I was supposed to be doing something but I was I was like a square peg in a round hole and and there were years of just frustration and restriction and sadness and self-doubt and lack of lack of self-worth because I wasn't quite sure of the right place or the right way to express myself and so if I can help another human shortcut that then my work is done you know and it's it's as simple as that like I feel like I spent 10-12 years just pushing shit up a hill whereas (laughs) if I can help someone go let's let's shorten that let's bridge that gap and let me help you get to where you want to be sooner boom I love Mm. that like Mm. your passion for that clearly shows um and I think it's so amazing if anyone who is listening and is like feeling the passion um (laughs) what how how do you how how does coaching you do start do you do like consultations or yeah what's the what's the yeah 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 so uh a good place to start is with I do just a free 15 minute kind of coffee clarity call over zoom and we chat about what you're after and what kind of work you want to do where you most need support and we make sure that we're a good fit for each other um I I then do two kind of time blocks at the moment either six weeks or 12 weeks and I work across the areas of story because I believe that story underpins everything and story we kind of work on two elements of story one is the stories that you're telling the world 
whether it's as a cabaret artist, a speaker, a writer, a coach in your marketing, your messaging. And one is the stories that you're telling yourself, right? Because if the stories you're telling yourself aren't serving you, then we're going to hit roadblocks. So we really work on it's the mindset and the messaging. Um, So I work with story, I work with strategy. So how to get your work out into the world. And I work with soul. So that's really just underpinning it with your vision, your voice, your Mm -hmm. values, all those things. So story, strategy, soul, that all works into kind of this, you know, signature framework, I guess. Uh, Yeah. I I think it's so important. I love that you noted about the stories that you tell yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's so important because to reflect on that as all creatives, because that's a big thing. I think we can all, Mm -hmm. I mean, I can vouch for that all the time, like, you know, like that imposter syndrome comes in and you're like, not, not good enough. People are going to think I'm fake. Mm. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's brutal. Um, yeah. It's brutal. It's brutal. And it doesn't, I wish I could tell you that it goes away, but the thoughts don't go away. Your relationship with them strengthens you. Yeah. You become the boss, you know, I I've got, um, where is it? Elizabeth Gilbert's <gasps> book, Big Magic. Have you read it? Yes. Oh my God. Yes. It's one of my favorites. And it's she so talks good. about fear and that we don't master fear. We don't get rid of fear. Fear is always going to be there. It's there to keep yeah. us safe. It's there to keep us protected, but it goes in the backseat of the car. And that's what you get better at, I think. And, you know, between you and I, Sarah, like, and anyone who's listening now, but <laughs> every every time I do a post, particularly if it's vulnerable, particularly if it's sharing a story, mm-hmm. I think, what are people going to think? A, a bit, there's just, there's going to be people who are just rolling their eyes. Like, is this self-indulgent? Is this all those things? Yes. Who's going to hate it? Will anyone like it? You sit and sort of wait and think, oh my God, it's been three minutes and I don't even have a light. Oh my God, everyone hates me. Oh my God, why do I even do this? Oh my God, I'm just going to delete my social media account and just go back to uni and just get a normal job. Why do I do this to myself? And then inevitably it's like someone will say, I really needed to hear that today. Thank you so much for posting that. And that's yeah. how I know it's not a, it's not about me. It's like what I do, what I post, it has to have a bigger purpose. And if it helps one person, one person then that's enough um yeah so I think you know I've been doing this shit for years and I still get the thoughts still get the thoughts which is so (laughs) I think it's like really reassuring to hear um you know because I yeah that we're all we all have those thoughts I every time I post something I'm like terrible oh no oh no so no one's liked it oh who am I or like thinking like oh who do I think I am you know, that, putting my yeah. work out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. Totally. Oh, yeah. Brutal. And it's, it's so brutal. And it's so interesting you say that because, you know, one of my, my business coach and she's one of my mentors and certainly a role model, her business has just clocked a million in sales in one year, which is massive, right? She's a really wonderful businesswoman. And, you know, she's definitely not all about money, but she made a point of posting this because it's about, we need to, as women have healthier conversations around money. We need to be able to celebrate our financial wins. We need to be able to say, business is really great. I've just, you know, this is a million dollar business. And that's not something that's not something to scoff at. That's something to celebrate. And then, so she posted that. She yeah. did this post. It was a beautiful post. And then the next post was, by the way, these are the thoughts that have just gone through my head. Are people going to think I'm bragging? Are people going to think I'm full of myself? Are people going to think this is inappropriate? Blah, blah. And she posted all of the negative thoughts yeah. that accompanied her post. And, I, and exactly as you've just said to me, I was like, oh, that is so comforting. You it know, is. it's so comforting because... We're all as gloriously flawed and effed up as each other. And that's the bottom line, right? The difference is, well, what do we do with that? What do we do with our flaws? What do we do with our idiosyncrasies? Do we, do we embrace them? Do we celebrate them? Do we share them with other people so that, you know, and that's the difference. Oh, I, yeah, I love that. I also think like as of recently, I've also found comfort when talking about especially I don't know in the creative arts like talking about mm. our rejections 
um yeah. because mm-hmm. like i am all for supporting and like put your successes out there yes yeah but you when you see so much of that and that's all you're seeing like yeah. you then think when you're rejected you're like it's just me isn't it like but no yeah. when you start talking about it i think i did a post on my instagram and i was like oh pitch this thing and this is my third rejection and i had like people messaging me be like oh my god like i feel so seen and i was like yeah because we all get rejected <laughs> totally totally we all get rejected possibly more than we get accepted you know yep. <laughs> yeah 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 no keep doing it keep posting keep sharing who you are in all of your glory for sure it's what connects us it is it is mm. oh 100 yeah. percent um okay yeah. i want to do some fun questions some little great bye questions let's awesome. go let's okay. go First question, uh, if a movie was made about your life, uh, what genre would it be and who would play you? Comedy. It <laughs> um, <laughs> would have to be. Uh, who would play me? Uh, do you know, my my husband got asked this as like a hen's day question and uh-huh. I think he said, I, really flatteringly, he said Scarlett Johansson, which is just I mean, so nice. I No, do you know who it would be? Kristen Wiig. <gasps> oh, yes. It would be Kristen Wiig. <laughs> yeah that would be really great casting oh she's great she's great yeah obsessed love quirky and awkward which is just the brief right (laughs) that's garlic johansson's too sexy like that's that's me uh that's who i think i am after three champagnes like scarlet johansson but i'm like nah girlfriend's Kristen wig (laughs) yeah nah yeah Scarlett's just too perfect for this. so perfect she's so she, she's she really so is though she's yeah I need she's stunning to down. totally um, yeah um describe yourself in three words oh that's really really <laughs> good question um probably quirky would be one of them um I'm trying to think of the right words. Well, you've stumped me. I love this. I love. Kind of heart, I want to say like heart driven, like heart, heart. I don't know. Like I feel things deeply. Um, Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, like so quirky. I I don't know. I don't know. Big hearted is the right word. Um, And perceptive. Ooh. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, next question. What do you first notice about someone when you meet them? Probably their energy. Um, mm. I guess and it's part of being perceptive. It's it's picking up an aura, like an energy about people and and working out it, where they're, I mean, this sounds really deep and kind of, you know, but I sort of get a sense of how they are in themselves yeah probably and you know hopefully it's not in a judge judgmental way but it can be things like how well do they hold eye contact yeah. are they curious are they actively listening you know and I think yeah. oh how does that what does that say about where you are in yourself in your own yeah. journey in life yeah but eye contact is a big one oh, I love that that's like really mm. that's like really that's really interesting mm. yeah that you yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah and I guess it's a perceptive thing it's like I it is. <laughs> yeah I get a sense of someone's sense of self yeah. and hopefully in a really you know it's not in a judgmental way but it's more in a I I give a shit about this how you know about how you are yeah. and how yeah where you're at yeah yeah like you care yeah. and you want to I care yeah help yeah people through that yeah I think it's it amazing. is that I think it's the coach in me it's like yeah that's that's coming yeah. out <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> that's funny I'd never really stopped to think about that yeah <laughs> you were like and here we are you're welcome Love yeah I totally would you like some unsolicited advice yes here it is you know here it is <laughs> done there you go um okay and the totally. last question what's a piece of advice you didn't take but you wish you did oh stop drinking <laughs> go <laughs> home <laughs> just go home Amelia like oh no you do not need that 17th vodka like honestly like I think 
would my life have been different? Not that I would change anything about my life, but there are significant things in my life that would have been different if I'd just gone home. (laughs) I mean, that's relatable as heck. (laughs) Did you read the story I put up about when I met my husband? And yes, yeah. And then, and the Prince and the Las Vegas hotel room, like could have just gone home. But (laughs) if I did, I might not have had that massive crisis and I might, you know, I still would have met my husband, but maybe it wouldn't have been fueled with such urgency to never (laughs) wind up in that situation again. But it's It's such a great story. It's a great story. It's a great story. It's definitely all of the stories that I've posted, like in those stories have been in my shows. So it's, it's, you know, I've been just getting them on paper and on socials, but no, I mean, I think, I think it hasn't really come up in our conversation, but I, I was always a bit of a party girl and that behavior yeah. sometimes got me into trouble. Yeah. It really did. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that though, as a fellow party girl. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What's just go home. <laughs> yeah. That's the Maybe. It's just please go home like when you have like I've had so many times I've had that instinct of like I need to leave now I should mm. I'm a bit too far in the drinks and gone nah whatever yeah no. well, how old are you though I'm 25 yeah oh my god yeah so look you've probably got like at least another 10 years of being able to get away with that I feel like you then yeah. reach a certain point where it's like now you should really just know better but it does kick in like my I've gotten a lot better at going this night is not going to get any better. You you think it will, but look around. Really it's not going to get any better. Yeah. It's really not. You've peaked. You've peaked. And my husband's really good at knowing that. He's really good at going, we've, we've had as much fun as we're going to have tonight. Whereas I'm just like, more, 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 more. I never want this night to end. I never want these moments to end. I don't even know this person, but I never want to not be with them. Like, it's like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yes. strangers on a dance floor. And and whereas he's just like, where you, this is not going to end well. We need to go. We're going. You're coming with me. We're going. <laughs> I love that. It's yeah. so true. And I feel like, I mean, I still feel like, you know, I still have some of my party days in me. But COVID also messed that up. Like I haven't. Yeah. So yeah. I think because of COVID, I'm blaming COVID. We're going to get a little cray cray after. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I need to yeah. live those two years. You really then, yeah. do. Yeah, so can... really you're actually only 23 like you've exactly the last two years pretty much yeah. that's exactly that's yeah <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I think if we take the alcohol and the parties out of that and we look at the know to know when you're pushing shit up a hill right to know when mm-hmm. something's not working whether it's in your craft in your career you know for example mm-hmm. to really tune into what is working for you and tune out of what isn't and to really pay attention to that whether it's intuition or whether it's a gut feeling or whether it's your heart but to know to know when to call it a day and to know when to pursue something the more you can discern that it's really really empowering and and it can be applied to so many things relationships you know, I even know when I'm writing a song or something, if, if it's a struggle, I'm like, I get to a point where I'm like, I'm pushing shit up a hill. This is not an idea that needs to be expressed right now. Yeah, so I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to stop and I'm going to express something else. It's, it's knowing that, that energetic kind of, yeah, I don't know. And, and the more you get in tune with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, really it's the go hard or go home. Which one are you going to do? You're going to go hard <laughs> with this or are you going to go home? Yeah. Uh, it's always go hard but like yeah but within that it's like learning that you can't always go hard you totally yeah not everything works yeah it's not everything works yeah and And that's okay to life and partying so you know life partying partying. relationships everything yeah everything yeah Mm -hmm. I love that I'm gonna be thinking about that for the rest of my day yeah 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 where do you need to go hard where do you need to just go home put the put the wine down and just go home (laughs) (laughs) don't don't touch like but even in lockdown I still have like being like do do we open a bottle of wine tonight and do we drink the full bottle who knows I mean sometimes you gotta do it 
<laughs> sometimes because then you don't have to drink it tomorrow. Exactly. Then tomorrow's a new day. Yeah. It's start yeah. fresh, you know? That's... Start fresh, exactly. Start yeah. fresh with a hangover. We love it. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. Are you in Sydney or Melbourne? I'm in Sydney. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. Where, which we're coming out of it. I don't know. I've stopped looking at the news. Yeah. Totally, me too. And I was, I was like, someone just like not like text me when lockdown's over. Honestly, at yeah. this point, yeah, I don't know. Totally. Um, but you made it. You made it to the end of the podcast. Great, Bye. great, great. How what was that? <laughs> You're so good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, what a lovely you. chat. I loved it. Yeah, it And that's a wrap on another episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Coffee Chat Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoy recording these episodes. Make sure that you do subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this podcast on. And be sure to give me a follow on Instagram at coffeechat.podcast. I post a few behind the scenes, sneak peeks, and just updates on the podcast. So make sure you subscribe to that so that you can be the first to know. And I will see you in the next episode.